changed since I was here last. I was here last summer, and I was here for your um, Father's Day, and I think Brother Kenny was on vacation. I got to be with you, and um, I have worn out a set of knees. I finally made it to the place. I'm probably going to have to have double knee replacement. I'm going to fight as long as I can. I wanted to make it until I was 65. It doesn't look like it's going to happen, but I love to jog. I love to run, and if I can't do that, I want to walk. I love walking. Three years ago, the doctor told my uncle to start walking five miles a day. Today, he's 1,500 miles from home. We have no idea where he is. <laughs> but I do love to exercise, and, uh, and I'm, I'm going to have to probably have something done. But I'm glad to be with you today, and I want you to open your Bibles this morning, the book of Isaiah, chapter 50 and verse 10. You know, the Bible is full of what I call blockbuster passages, just one particular, I mean, John 3.16 would fall in that category. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. A lot of blockbuster scriptures, short ones. Uh, Romans 10.13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this is one of those blockbusters that I want to share with you today, an experience that I had a couple of years ago when COVID kicked in. And this is kind of your... Uh, flu shot. Some of you don't need this now, but you're going to need the protection down the road. Some of you may already be suffering and you need this message, but I just felt this is what God had put on my heart to share with you today. Isaiah 50 and verse 10. Good. He's got it on the screen. Thank you for getting it up there, brother. Uh, Isaiah 50 and verse 10. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, and walketh in darkness, and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I thank you for the great work you're doing at this church. Lord, you are building this church. I thank you for the new faces that I'm seeing and the spirit that's here. I just feel the liberty when I stand in this pulpit, Lord, to know that your presence and your spirit is here. And I'd ask you to come and help me today. Lord, I'd ask you to move me out of the way of this message and that you would be exalted, that your name would be lifted up and folks would see what an awesome God you are. And so I pray that you'd help me to preach today and help us today from the Word of God. And I'll thank you for that help in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah says, Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Many times it is possible for you to be walking uh, in God's Word. You're obeying His voice. You're doing everything that God wants you to do, and you still find yourself in trouble, in darkness. We have three Hebrew brothers, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You perhaps know them better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were doing everything for God that they were supposed to be doing. They were obeying His voice. They were working and doing what God commanded them to do. And where did it land them? In a fiery furnace. We have Daniel. What a great man of God Daniel was. In fact, I've said many times, I'm glad God didn't just give us Daniel. He gave us David. I can't identify with Daniel. I can with David. I, I'm, I have faults and failures. But Daniel, what a man of God he was. And a man that prayed morning, noon, and night. They passed a decree that said nobody can pray to the living God for 30 days. And Daniel said, we got a problem. Whenever the government tells me that I can't do something that God's told me to do, we've got trouble. 
Daniel went to the place he always went. He opened his window and he prayed to God three times a day, just like he always did. He heard God's voice. He obeyed him, did everything God asked him to do. And where did it land, Daniel? He ended up in a lion's den. We have little Joseph, bless his heart, a teenager, probably 16, 17 years old perhaps, living fervently and passionately for God. And let me pull off and say, it's something exciting about a teenager living for God. In this godless world that we're in today and all the filth and everything, to find a teenager that comes to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and a teenager that has dedicated himself and says, I'm going to live for God and I'm going to be pure in this filthy world, that is really something. And old Joseph, bless his heart, lived for God, had a heart for God, a passion for God, did everything God expected of him, and where did it land him? His brother sold him into slavery. And then he gets into Potiphar's house, and by then he's matured into a good-looking young man, and Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him, and he ends up getting thrown back into prison. And last and certainly not least, we have Job, a man who has God's own testimony to his wholesomeness, to his perfectness. It doesn't get any better than that, folks. When you got God telling the devil what a good Christian you are, Satan approached God, and God said, Wait a minute, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in the earth, perfect and upright. He fears God and eschews evil. Job had God's own testimony to his goodness, to his wholesomeness. He was doing everything for God that he was supposed to be doing. And what did it cost him? He ended up losing everything. He lost his wealth, he lost his health, he lost his family, he lost so many things. Now the good news is, this was just one chapter in all of these people's lives. This was not their whole life, and it it was just an experience that they were going through that all of us need at one time or another in our lives. You're not going to be much for God if you never go through any valleys. You're not going to be strong for God if you never experience any difficulties and trials and tribulations and troubles. They're good for us. We grow more in adversity than we do in prosperity. I know I have. I've gotten closer to God in troubled times more so than in prosperous times. In prosperous times in my life, I've been prone to leave God, to get distracted by all the good that God has given me, not to realize the source of my blessing. Oh, it's good to have adversity. In Psalm 119, 71, David said, It is good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Yeah, that's good to go through these things. And perhaps you're there this morning. You've been hearing God's voice. You've been obeying Him. You're doing everything you're supposed to be doing for God, and you're walking in darkness. You've got trouble in your life on all sides. The storm clouds are rolling in. The enemy is encircling. It's all come crashing down And you ask yourself, what am I supposed to do? My heart is broken. I'm going through heavy trials and difficulties. What in the world am I to do? I remember in 1982, I got a job right out of high school at a factory. And I I had the world by the tail. Here I was, 19 years old, got a job at a factory. I made good money, had a nice new car. I was going all over the state of West Virginia preaching youth revivals and having the time of my life and making decent money. I had just gotten married. I had just gotten a big pay raise. Things were good. And then they pulled the rug out from under me. I got laid off. The economy was so bad, and they cut jobs, and I was with the youngest man in the plant, and I lost my job. And I remember sitting on the bed, looking at my wife and saying, what am I supposed to do now? Now, people know me, know that I'm very enamored by certain scenes in movies. I, there are certain, motiva- being a motivational speaker, there are certain things that I find motivational in movies, and I'll capture that one moment, that one phrase, that one scene, that one thought in a movie. 
And one of my favorite ones came out of the movie Rocky Three. Many of you have seen it. You remember Mr. T. Guy had the mohawk, and he was meaner than a striped snake, and, and he wanted to fight Rocky, and his trainer didn't want him to fight. Rocky, he didn't want Rocky to fight him. He told him the guy would kill him if they fought. But they finally agreed to fight, and as they're coming down the steps in Madison Square Garden, and they see each other, they get in this verbal spat, and they almost had a fight before they had the fight. And Rocky's trainer, Mickey, has a heart attack. And they shuffle him off in a room, and they get all the press out, and Rocky is just absolutely uh, shaking and beside himself. And he, he looks at his brother and says, Pull it, tell him the fight's off. And, and Mickey turns around and says, No, the fight's not off. Can I catch my breath? Can I just catch my breath? Would that be all right? And Rocky looks over at Adrian, and he's, Adrian, what am I supposed to do? And Mickey turns around and grabs him by the lapels of his robe and shakes him and says, what do you mean, what are you supposed to do? After all these years together, you don't know what to do. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. And I think about in my own life, the times that I've gone through troubles, crisis, difficulties, just like I did in 1982. And I said, what am I supposed to do? I needed God to get a hold of me and shake me and say, what do you mean, what are you supposed to do? After all these years together, you don't know what to do. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Haven't you seen enough? Haven't you witnessed enough? Don't we know each other enough? Haven't you read enough? What have I got to do to get you to trust me and rely on me? Isaiah said something similarly. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? He giveth power to the faint, and to them that hath no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What is he saying? All right, you've been grounded today. Your wings have been clipped. You're going through a tough time. That's all right. Wait on the Lord. You're going to take flight again. And folks, Isaiah said in Isaiah 26, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. I love that word stayed. Because he trusteth in thee. And isn't that when it matters the most? When things are bad? When things are terrible? That's when we should shine. I've been a master. I've been a master at trusting God when I'm on the mountaintop. Oh, it's so easy when the job is there and the health is there and the family is there and everything is rosy and there's not a cloud in sight and everything. Oh, yeah, man, I got faith but you let the devil throw a curveball at me and I come apart at the seams. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I want to tell you, when, when you have a crisis to hit you in life and difficulty and trouble, here's what you do. You bite your nails and you pace the floor and wring your hands and say, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? That'll be real productive. That'll really help you. No, it's times like this that we need to shine. It's time to show some faith in God. It's time to look to God. I love the missionary in World War II. He was apprehended by the Germans. They placed him in a holding cell on a ship. He figured he'd be executed <laughs> the next day. That night he was very tired. He was praying. He said, Lord, you know there's really no reason for both of us to stay up and worry about what the Germans are going to do to me tomorrow. I'm really tired. If it's okay with you, Lord, I'm going to go ahead and go to sleep, and I'll let you stay up and worry about what the Germans do to me tomorrow. He went to sleep, he woke up the next day, and the Germans dropped him off at his mission site. I love the guy, that the preacher was in the car, and a man jumped in the car, pulled a gun on him, said, give me your money or I'll kill you. 
The preacher thought for a minute, looked at that gun, looked at the guy, and then he broke out in a big smile. And the man looked at him and said, so help me, I'll kill you. And the preacher looked at him and said, let me tell you something, son. Unless God is finished with me on this earth, you don't have the ability to pull that trigger. And the guy got scared and jumped out and ran. It's time to shine, folks. You're going through the, the dark times. Well, that's when it matters the most. That's when you really show what you're made of. That's when you trust in the name of the Lord. And I love that passage. Trust is the faith. Trust and stay. Trust is the faith. But to stay, well, that's the action. And your faith ought to have some action to it. There ought to be some feet on your prayers and on your faith. I heard somebody say the best place to pray for potatoes is on the end of a hoe handle. Yeah. We need to show some faith. And I, I'm telling you, stay. I love that word. Look at that. You underline those in your Bible. <coughs> Trust and stay. What a great word. During the pandemic, many of God's people did the worst thing they could do. They left when they should have stayed. This was no time, folks. Listen, the virus is bad, yes. The virus is serious, yes. Yes, it can kill people, but they didn't need to scare a generation to death and run people off in fear and do what they did. It was amazing. We learned some things during the pandemic, didn't we? I mean, the virus only had a wingspan of 5 foot 11 inches. Once you got to 6 feet, you were okay. And it, the virus could live on any surface known to mankind except something you order from Amazon. And the safest place to be during the pandemic was at Walmart, Sam's, Home Depot, or the liquor store. And the most dangerous place for you to be during the pandemic was right here in God's house. Oh, yeah. And it couldn't, the virus couldn't get on your food as long as you ordered it through the drive-thru. Oh, my folks. We did, we did, we made some bad moves during this pandemic. We left when we should have stayed. We ran when we should have stood and fought. And during this time, it, this was no time to be forsaking the house of God. This was no time to be forsaking your position of service for God. This was no time to forsake your Bible reading. This was no time to forsake your prayer life. And this was no time to forsake your tithing. Your giving and your faith promise missions support or your missions giving. People say that to me when I preach this and say, well, you know, Brother Matheny, that might have been easy for you. Why, you think I got a lot of money? I do. I got enough money to last me the rest of my life as long as I die next Thursday. And you're looking at a guy who's actually working on his second million because I gave up on the first million. But let me tell you an experience that I had, and I'll close with this. Now, we're nowhere near being done, so don't get excited when you hear me say close. We've still got a ways to go. But when 2020 rolled around, it was a year of promise for me. I remember looking at 2020 thinking, man, what a great year this is going to be. We came out of the holidays into January. We were in good shape. We paid all the Christmas off. Everything was good. I even had a couple of shows booked in February. That is unusual. January and February, I'm usually sitting at home twiddling my thumbs waiting on I had a bank book me for two or three shows. And then to cap it off, I had a company out of Florida sent me an email. said, we want you to come down on March the 10th and do a show for us in Live Oak, Florida. 
let me tell you, March is a wonderful time to be in Florida. Couple with that, it was in sync with a week that I go to Pigeon Forge every year to learn new stuff. I go to a convention for three days, and they have magicians come in that lecture. They show you how a new trick, then they'll teach you how to do it. You can buy some things. We kind of network together. We sit around at breakfast table and talk. It's a great time of refreshing and relaxation and learning new things. And coupled with that, I thought, this is fantastic. I'm going to drive down to Knoxville and fly from Knoxville to Jacksonville to do my and then I'm going to fly back on Wednesday, and I'm already in Pigeon Forge ready to go to my event. It was fantastic. I thought, what a week this is going to be. I got over to the convention, and the second day, this virus thing kicked in big time. And we were sitting at breakfast one morning, and one of the men there looked at me real sad. I said, what's the matter, Glenn? You look like uh, something bad's happened. He said, I had two shows of mine canceled yesterday. When he said that, it was like kicking me in the gut. And I didn't say anything, but I thought to myself, oh, no. Oh, no, this cannot be happening. What, what would I do? What would I do if I lost? I had ten shows on my calendar through the spring. What would I do if I lost one of those shows? Oh, no, this can't happen. And I want to clarify something here. I, I, I don't do one every day. But I had a little old lady come up to me after one of my shows one time, and she was real bashful, and she wouldn't look at me. She said, you know, um, I expect you get a little bit of money for one of your programs. And I looked at her. I said, ma'am, who told you that? Now, that's the kind of rumor I want to put to bed right now. I do not get a little bit of money for one of my programs. I get a whole bunch of money for one of my programs. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, no, what would I do? What would I do if one of my shows canceled? The very next day, my cell phone rang, said, Keith, this is Missy with Youth Leadership. I said, hey, Missy. She said, we're going to have to cancel our show coming up next, this month, later this month. I said, Missy, I could see this coming. Within a two-week span, I didn't lose one show. I lost my entire year. The entire year was wiped off of the calendar. So I thought, what to do? Well, I'm a locksmith by trade. I do locksmith work. I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll just work my locksmith business, what I did years ago. The governor shut the state down. Nobody's moving. I'm not getting any calls for my locksmith business. I'm not going to get any shows for who knows how long. And then my wife comes home and says she's been cut back to two days a week at the hospital. Fortunately, that did not last long. The very next week, they laid her off completely. And I remember sitting there looking at her, and I, I, I couldn't help. I went downstairs. I actually smiled. I said, I can't believe this. We've been married 39 years. Neither one of us have a job right now. We're not working. And with all of this, who shows up at my darkest moment? The devil. Now, you have to bear with me, folks. I, I hear things, and I feel things. i got a Baptist head, but i got a Pentecostal heart. And I hear the devil talking to me sometimes. Do you hear him sometimes? You hear the voice of the devil talking to you? I do. When Jesus told Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, you've been, the devil's talking to you, Peter. That's who's talking. I hear, the, I hear the devil talking to me sometimes. And the devil showed up and said, you know what? <laughs> Your tithe is going to go way down this year. And I've got to be honest with you, I thought, what can I say? I don't have a job. 
I'm not getting any locksmith work. My wife's laid off. It's probably true. You got any more good news for me, Captain Obvious? Yeah, giving is out. No giving right now. You can't give the Easter offering. You can't support a kid to go to church camp. Giving's out, or you can't be giving right now. You got no money coming in. It's probably true, too. And this faith promise missions that you're supporting, I'm into faith promise missions giving at our church, and I'm into it deep. I won't tell you what I give, but I give a lot to faith promise, and I, I've been doing it by faith for seven years. I promise God if you'll provide it, I'll give it. I don't know how this has worked, but for seven years, God has provided it every single month. And the devil said, that's got to go right now. You struggle sometimes to make that amount when you're working. You can't be doing this when you don't have a job, your wife's not working, you got no income. That's got to go for now. And it's not your fault, brother, bless your heart. It's okay. You couldn't help it. This virus came along, and, and, and you had to cut your faith promise giving. And I sat there very down and discouraged and depressed, and I thought, you know, all this is probably true. And then something welled up inside me. I don't know where this came from. I think it came because for the past 16 years, I've read the Bible every day. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Something happened to me in that moment, and I welled up, and I said, wait, wait just a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're in day two of this. We're in the first inning of this ball game. Every show that I've lost is weeks down the road. I haven't lost a penny today. I'm not hurting today. I haven't lost anything today. My wife got laid off yesterday. She hadn't even missed her first paycheck. Do we have to forfeit this game in the first inning? Does God ever get a chance to bat? Does God ever get a chance to say anything about it? I remember Jeremiah, Amaziah went to Jeremiah and said, I want to know, is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, there is. And I stood up and I said, wait a minute. I'm not forfeiting this game until I hear from the Lord. I want to know what you have to say about this, Lord. I want to know what your intentions are. And I found out that our Bible is full of people who could have won and would have won if they'd have trusted God instead of looking at the circumstances. Uh, we have uh, in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, Asa called the seer in. And the seer said, what are you doing? You relied on the king of Syria instead of the Lord, and now the whole host has escaped out of your hands. And when you went up against the Ethiopians and the Lubim, they were a huge host. But you relied on the Lord, and you know what he did? He delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of him whose heart is perfect toward him. And now you're going to have wars. You're going to have trouble. And Asa was so mad, he put the seer in prison for the bad news. And then he oppressed the people. He got diseased in his feet, and he would not give God a chance to bat. Wouldn't even call on the Lord. And he died. Saul sought counsel from the wicked witch of Endor and would not seek counsel from the Lord, and he died. He wouldn't even let God have a chance to bat. And Israel was first and goal on the one-yard line, ready to go in and take the promised land. They were poised and powerful and ready, and they backed off, and they said, we can't trust God for this now, and they lost. I resolved something at that moment. I said, all right, I'm serving notice right now, devil. I'm staying right where I am. I'm not cutting a penny of anything. I'll still tithe. I don't know what I'm going to get, but I'm going to tithe on whatever I get. 
I'm going to give the Easter offering just like I did last year. And that faith promise missions that I give, I'm staying. It's going to be there. God, I'm going to trust you for it. You're the one that brought it when things were booming. You're the one that's going to provide it now. I'm going to give you a chance to bat, Lord. I'm going to trust you. Now, I don't want you to pat me on the back for this mustard seed of faith I showed. You're looking at a coward. I've died a thousand deaths in my life. I mean, every time the devil would hit me, I would take one punch and go to the corner and cry. And God couldn't help me. Why? Because I wouldn't show any faith in him. But one time I stood up. I said, let me tell you something, devil. You can't do this unless God lets you do it. I had a cousin down in Georgia. This was was funny. His name was Kurt. He was eight years old, a little runt. And I was 15 at the time. And Kurt had a cousin, Gordon, who was, or a brother, a friend who was 10. And Gordon was a head taller than Kurt. And Gordon had a sister, Jane, who was a head taller than both of them. She was 12, Gordon was 10, Kurt was 8. And we're out there shooting baskets, and my little cousin Kurt said something smart aleck to Gordon. And his sister Jane piped in and said, Kurt, you can't do that. You can't talk to Gordon that way. He's big enough to whip you. Oh, Kurt put the ball under his arm, smiled. He said, no, he can't beat me up when my cousin's here. (laughs) I thought that's pretty good, and I thought he's absolutely right. That kid never made a move for my cousin. Why? Because I was there. And I'm going to tell you right now, the devil can't beat you up if God's in your corner. No, I want to give God a chance to bat. Lord, what, what do you say about this? I don't want to change. You're the one that told me to give the faith promise missions. This was your plan, and you don't change. The circumstances have changed, but you don't. I'm staying. Stand right where I am. I'm going to give until I can. Lord, if you tell me I need to cut my faith promise missions giving, I'll cut it but I'm not doing anything until I hear from you. I'm staying. I'm going to trust in the name of the Lord, and I'm going to stay. I realize I'm trusting in the God that parted the Red Sea. I'm trusting in the God that brought forth water from the Rock of Flint. I'm trusting in the God that set a fire at Mount Carmel. I'm trusting in the God that shut up the mouths of the lion and walked in the fiery furnace. I'm talking trusting in the God that made the axe head swim. And Lord, if you can't do it in a pandemic, then you can't do it when things are good. If you're not God in the valley, you're not God on the mountaintop. If you're not God in the night, you're not God in the day. And if you're not God in a recession, then you're not God in the boom either. I'm staying. I'm staying. I'm trusting you, Lord. And I got my Bible out and read 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you always, having all sufficiency in all things, and nowhere in there did it say, unless, of course, there's a pandemic sweeping the land. And all bets are off. I read Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches. And nowhere in there did it say, unless, of course, there's a virus going around. I said, nope, I'm staying. I learned some things during this pandemic. Two things. I cannot do what God says I cannot do. I have frustrated myself in life. Yes, I'm the one that can do it. I'm the one that can handle it. And God said I couldn't. And I found out I could, I cannot do what God tells me that I cannot do. But I also found out I can do what God tells me I can do. And I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Well, let me tell you what I got from my mustard seed of faith, and we will be finished. We're just about done. And I wish I could tell you everything that God did during this time. I sat back and trusted God, said, all right, Lord, it's got to come from somewhere besides my show business and my lock business. It's got to come from somewhere. Your turn to bat. Here's the bat, Lord. Go at it. Devil's throwing curveballs today. See if you can hit one. Wow. We got the, the stimulus money that the government sent out. My wife 
went down and signed up for unemployment, and because of the pandemic and the way the government had done things, she drew 60% of her salary plus $600 a week. My wife got a pay raise. My wife didn't make $600 a week. Now she's getting 60% of her pay plus $600 a week. She was as happy as a dead pig in the sunshine. We got another stimulus check. The governor lifted the stay-in-place order. All of a sudden, things started moving again. My lock business started back up. The stock market began to turn around, went back up. Our 401Ks started to heal. And then in my locksmith business, this is incredible, people started tipping me. That never happened. I'd been in that business for 30 uh, 34 years, nobody, well, maybe once in a while, somebody, no, everybody started tipping me. I'd go out and do a job. How, how much do I owe you? Well, it's $70. They give me a $100 bill. I say, here, let me get you. No, just keep it. What? Yeah, just keep it. I go out and unlock somebody's car. They gave me a $20 tip. People started tipping me. I went to my mailbox. I went to my mailbox, and I got, and I'm a mentalist, as you all know. I can tell what's going to happen next. I got a card out of my mailbox. I didn't even know the lady that sent it to me. And when I saw the return address, I had already begun to say, Oh, no. No, Lord, no. Please, no. I opened the envelope, and it was a card. And it talked about going through difficult times and how God is there to see you through them and God is there to help you. And I opened it up, and a $100 bill slid out of it. And I read under a little lady, a widowed lady had written, Brother Matheny, the Lord has laid it on my heart to help you and your family during this time. I, I, I said, Lord, I don't need that $100. And the Lord said, yes, you do. Don't you dare write that lady back and say, I didn't need that. We've we got to learn to be given to. And we weren't hurting. We really weren't, but it didn't matter. It's not a question of whether I needed it. God laid it on her heart to give it. I wrote her a card, sent her a thank you card. I said, thank you for your gift. It was so timely and appropriate, and I used that to purchase things that I use when I go speak in churches. I'm telling you that money rained down on us from everywhere. It came out of the walls. It came, the ravens brought money and put it in our bank, and it came out of the rocks. Just when I didn't think any more money could come, my accountant called me and said, did you get any of that paycheck protection money in your business? I said, no, I tried to apply for it. The bank said I wouldn't get it because I was a one-man show, and they were about out of the money anyway. He said, no, no, let me go to bat for you on this. He called me a week later. He said, Keith, I'm sorry. I did the best I could, but I was only able to get you $7,000. <laughs> Every time I didn't think money could come from somewhere else, my wife's step-grandmother passed away. We got a letter from the attorney. She had left money to us in her will. I'm telling you what, it came from every. We got financially well during the pandemic. We, we went up. We, it did not, we, we'd have never known there was a pandemic. And folks, I don't know that it's always going to work exactly for everybody, but I just know one time in my life, one time in my life, I decided to exercise a little faith and stand my ground with the devil and say, my God's bigger than you are. My God will take care of me. I don't know how, but I don't have to know how. I'll just trust in his name, and I'm going to stay. And Folks, I tell you that today. Trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon your God. By the way, I couldn't wait. When I got my statement in 2021 for our giving to the church, I, I was so excited, I opened the envelope. My tithe for 2020 was more than 2019. 
Only difference was I didn't have a job in 2020. Oh, no. Listen, folks. You're going through difficult times. Maybe you're not there today, but you're going to. Listen, when that happens, when you're doing everything for God that you're supposed to be doing, and you still find yourself in trouble, you still find yourself walking in darkness, what are you supposed to do? Trust in the name of the Lord and stay, stay, stay upon your God. Heavenly Father, I thank you that I got to live this story. That if this were